Hey friends, can't wait till Wednesdays to get your Modern Mamas fix. Join us on Patreon. You can choose your tier and when you subscribe, you'll get bonus content, early access to retreat, first peeks at new swag, plus shout outs and even real time monthly virtual hangs with us. Visit patreon.com forward slash modern mamas podcast to check it out and support the podcast. It truly means the world to us. We are so grateful for you and for this community. I love mama. Welcome to the Modern Mamas Podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire, empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hey guys, Jess here. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. I have, and I say, I say this literally every time. I have a really special guest (laughs) (laughs) and a really special topic. We have Mackenzie, is it Neely or am I saying that right? Neely, Mackenzie Neely with us. Great. I should have asked you that beforehand, but we just kind of go with with the flow over here. (laughs) Mackenzie's with us from the Heartfelt Hippie and she is going to be talking to us about a topic that we were just talking offline a little bit about before we started recording a topic that like I think is on people's radar but probably Mm -hmm. lower on the priority list and that topic is like ethical and sustainable clothing and what is clothing waste and how do we source things you know sustainably what are we looking for I mean all the questions Mm -hmm. we got so many great great listener questions about learning about this and then like kind of starting that process. So thank you and welcome Mackenzie for being here. We're so happy to have you. I'm so excited to be on your show. I'm a fan of your show. So it's an honor to be on it. Oh, I love that. I love when listeners become guests and friends and, and it's kind of like cross collab here too, because you have some of the things that you're passionate about. Well, why don't I just share your bio, which is adorable by the way. So if case you don't know who Mackenzie is, Some people call her a hippie because she eats her vegetables and cares about the planet and hails from the Pacific Northwest. I guess I guess that's all you need to do to be called a hippie. (laughs) Whether or not that's true, she is for sure heartfelt. Her mission with the Enlighten Me podcast is to encourage people to live in sustainable ways, ways that are good for the earth and good for its people. She doesn't pretend to be an expert on these topics, but she's committed to learning and helping others learn. After earning her master's in education and working in higher ed for several years, she decided to step away to focus on motherhood and her podcast. On a typical day, you can find her cuddling up with her not-so-lap-sized puppy, I feel you on that, a lukewarm cup of creamy coffee. When she's not working on recording, she's probably watching The Bachelor and trying to decide if it's late enough in the day to pour a glass of Pinot. Girl, I feel like we could be the same person. <laughs> Kindred spirits. <laughs> That's amazing. I love, I just love hearing, and I'm going to ask you just forewarning. I'm going to be totally nosy and ask you for more information because I can never yeah. get enough to of learning about like your backstory and who you are and what brought you here and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. what kind of dog do you have? What's your dog? Oh, actually, we don't know. He's a shelter pet, okay. but we were told he's a 
Rottweiler slash Bernice Mountain Dog. I don't know if I believe that. He kind of has the coloring of a Bernice. Like, he's black with white and that kind of golden brown, like, accents Mm -hmm. on his coat. But but he looks like his body looks like a lab or a golden retriever. Mm. And I don't know. I don't know. We It's a mystery, <laughs> but he's really cute. That's awesome. <laughs> well, we are living the, the large dog life over here with two Pyrenees. So, and great, oh, yeah. Bernie's mountain dogs are, are very, like, kind of similar to Pyrenees in a lot of ways. So uh-huh. we feel you on that. They're also shelter dogs. So yeah. see, kindred souls. That's just yeah, crazy. Seriously. <laughs> so tell me about the Enlighten Me podcast. Tell me a little, tell our listeners a little bit more about that and kind of what you do over there. Yeah, totally. So my podcast, I kind of started it, I started it in 2018. And really, I had been really into like a lot of the topics that I talk about for a long time. Like, you know, people would always tease me about like, oh, you better recycle that or Mackenzie's gonna blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> and so I, I was always into these topics, but I felt like I just didn't know what to do with my passions and my knowledge about them. And my husband and I, like, I feel like when Netflix first became super popular, we were like all the documentaries, like there are so (laughs) many good documentaries on Netflix. And so we would learn all this stuff. And then I would just feel I I, like am a very emotional and feelings driven person. So Mm -hmm. I would be like, Oh my gosh, there's so much wrong with the world. This is so depressing. And after kind of, you know, that I I would kind of, actually, my mom kind of got on me. She was, she was, she deserves the credit. She's the one who inspired me to start the podcast, kind of unbeknownst to her. But she would be like, why don't you like start a blog or something like that (laughs) instead of just telling me what to do? Because I would always like, I'd go over to her house and be like, you know, you really shouldn't do that. And here's why. And she was like, yeah, okay, that's great. Thanks. But so I was like, yeah, I, I mean, I love blogs, like nothing against bloggers, but I just felt like, our lifestyle. I we're we're just so busy, and I was like, I don't have time to read blogs, so I don't want to dive into writing one. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I was like, but I do love to listen to podcasts, you know, because I'm on the road a lot or or whatever. Just it's something you can do. Uh, it's a little, you know, it's a little easier than sitting yeah. down and reading an article. And so I was like, I could start a podcast. Like, why not? And. I don't know if you felt this way, but I was like, wow, there is not a lot of information about mm-hmm. starting a podcast. Like mm-hmm. it was hard to do, but I was dedicated. And and yeah, so I was like, I just want this to be a show where we talk about important topics and we talk about things that matter. And I want to do it in a way that's not depressing. That's not like you, you know, at the end of a documentary, we're like, oh, wow, well, that sucks. <laughs> but, <laughs> but where you're like, okay. Wow, that's that's good to know. It right. is a little bit hard to hear sometimes, but now I know what I can do. You know, right. I wanted to leave people with something that they could actually do about these topics. Yeah, and I feel like what you're what you're essentially saying is like empower people to change yeah. versus like guilt and shame them into <laughs> changing or taking exactly. the next step or yeah. exploring more. And that, that resonates 100% with us here at the Modern Mamas podcast. Obviously, I mean, we're all about that. It's like Right. Let's just educate. Let's have a conversation. Let's, you know, explore a topic and then do with what whatever resonates with you, you know, so definitely can get behind that. So and just to kind of circle back, I guess today, there's many, many things I know that you could have come on and talked about, but we really nailed down talking about like the basics of ethical clo- ethical clothes clothing production words are hard mm-hmm. today and really trying to make it as as accessible as possible because i know especially in my own initial search it's been like oh my gosh like 
this is way out of my budget or like I can't afford I'm trying to think right. like marine layer, you know, a marine layer dress. That would be like my whole clothing budget for, you know, right. for the year or whatever. And it gets daunting. And, and especially when you're starting this journey, it's like, well, I don't even know what to look for. Like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about like transparency and manufacturing. You know, what does it mean to have environmental sustainability in clothing production? We're going to be talking about the impact of fashion waste because it, it's, a lot more daunting and prevalent than I think we, we even understand. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll be talking about like natural versus synthetic fibers and like the actual makeup of the clothes and really how we can start that journey at home without it being crazy overwhelming. Cause I know a lot of, a lot of people get that analysis paralysis, like, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, it seems like there's so many things to do. So I'm just not going to take that first step. So really, really excited about this. Yeah, so tell us, too. yeah, tell us a little bit about your, more about yourself, how you found, you know, you kind of told us about how you found the, the podcast and everything, but like in this particular mm-hmm. realm, like why did this become something that you really started to explore heavily and like, mm-hmm. why, why are we here talking about this today? Essentially tell us more mm-hmm. about you friend. Sure. Sure. So I have always loved thrift shopping, like before it was a th- thing. I mean, that makes me sound like I'm trying to sound really cool. Like I liked it before it was cool. (laughs) But I, when I was in high school, my friends and I just started going out in, I I think it's maybe just in Washington, but maybe it's in other places too, but Washington state, it's called value village, which is basically like the goodwill, like very similar principle, but it's smaller corporation than the goodwill. But we would just go to value village and like, we would love to hunt for things. And you know, at first my mom was like, what? Cause like value village is where you would go for like your Halloween costume. <laughs> but we were like, oh, this is fun. You can find good stuff here, like vintage stuff or, you know, just uh, things that people gave away when it's like, wow, that's a really nice thing. Why would you just give that away? But so yeah, we, we got really into that in high school. And then I kind of started to learn about like why thrifting matters. And I was like, well, that's cool because I already really like it. So <laughs> even better. And and part of that too is just me being, I, I don't like the word cheap, but I'm a pretty frugal person. Frugal. And, you we'll know, use frugal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I can definitely relate to any listeners that are like, ah, I can't afford ethical fashion. Like, because I do not, even still, I do not like to spend a lot of money on my clothes. Like there are many other things I would rather spend money on. And so I, part of that was I kind of needed to thrift. Like if I was going to afford to go shopping, you know, especially like early on in marriage, we got married when we were really young. So, so we didn't have a lot of money then. So it was like thrifting or no shopping at all. And so, yeah, so that was kind of the start of that journey, I would say. And then as I started to dive into my podcast and get into social media more. Like I really didn't even do anything on social media before I started my podcast and was like, well, I should probably get an Instagram account because that's really popular. (laughs) And I like discovered the power of hashtags and connecting with people online. And I was like, holy cow, there are so many cool people doing awesome things. And I would come across ethical brands and then I would come across other bloggers or, or whatever writers who were interested in you know, fashion, sustainable fashion and ethical fashion. And yeah, so I feel like that kind of all led me like I would just learn little bits more here and there, like 
I would just learn more and more as I went on where I was like, oh, wow, that's that's the component of ethical fashion. Oh, wow. Like that, too. Like so many there are just so many aspects of it, like I was telling you earlier, that I would just kind of learn as I went. And I think what really got me into like, okay, this has to be a priority in my life is when I learned about the human exploitation part of fashion. And we're going to talk more about that. But I I think I first kind of realized that when have you have you heard of Noonday Collection? I have, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So Noonday is super awesome. It's a brand where it's a, like a direct sales brand, but they it's it's not like a pyramid scheme or anything. But they how it works is women in other countries, like I think they started in Uganda, I want to say, or somewhere in Africa, but now they're kind of all over the world. Women in underdeveloped countries make this beautiful jewelry and these beautiful accessories and they just don't have the market where they live because they're you know living in poverty they don't have a market to sell their stuff there and so they sell it to women in the u.s who sell it and that's how noonday works essentially and kind of when i realized like when i learned about this i had a friend who was selling noonday and she told me all about it and i was like wait wait like what about everything else that is not noonday. Like, how is all that stuff made? And I kind of started thinking about like, wait, so does that mean like everything else is made in like sweatshops? Like, you know, I feel like we'd, uh, we've all heard like, oh, Nike, child labor, like sweatshops. And it's like, yeah, it ain't just Nike, unfortunately. It's a lot of other brands. And so I kind of started to question that. And yeah. And so with my already interest in buying secondhand clothes and then learning about like, oh, wow, we're actually talking about like humans lives. I should really probably care more about this. That's kind of what landed me into like, okay, this is one of my things. Like sustainable fashion is one of my passions. Right. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited because I feel very similarly. I have several friends that sell Noonday as well. And that really was truly like hearing the story behind everything was like, okay, so can, where can I find other companies that are doing this for the other things that I need? So, so similar. Yeah. And I have a really good friend, shout out Liz. She does listen to the podcast. She's at Fresh Mm -hmm. Texan on Instagram. She's also really passionate about sourcing and like really passionate about it. And so she also like has helped educate me through the process of that in my own like searches. So Very, very similar story. So, so glad to dive in. So are you ready to like hit us hard with all the good stuff? (laughs) Yes, I'm going to try to do it not too hard because I don't want anybody to be depressed. But yes, I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And that's, that's, you know, we're going to take a balanced approach to it. But I think the hardest part for a lot of people is to really see like what is what truly is going on behind the scenes sometimes because it's just like with Mm -hmm. food. It's like, we go for the longest time. I just went to the grocery store. I picked my meat off the counter or whatever. I picked this food off the, you know, the shelf, went home. I never thought about how it was made or mm-hmm. who was exploited for it to, to get to me. And it was just mm-hmm. like, I want my hamburger patties and I want my hamburger patties now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and so many people have like attachment to like, like, I mean, Target, that mm-hmm. like everybody loves Target. Who oh doesn't love Target? I like love Target, Target swimsuits, they're so cute. <laughs> and like, I would go into Target and leave with clothes, even though that's not what I went there for. Like their clothes mm-hmm. are adorable, yeah. but you know, it's, it's hard when you like have an attachment and like an a rhythm, you're in a rhythm mm-hmm. of like, oh, this is where I do my clothing shopping. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to come and burst your bubble. <laughs> well, it's just like everything. It's just like everything. You yeah. do what you can when you can with the resources that you have. 
at the time and we just do the best we can. It's like some days I'm like got grass fed everything. I've got like sustainable whatever. But you know, the one thing that I, I, this is going to sound terrible. I I cannot give up my floss picks and it's like, (laughs) it's like the silliest thing, but I've tried like all sorts of like sustainable, natural earth friendly flosses so if anyone's mm-hmm. listening out there and they have a floss pick option that is more sustainable i'm with you mm-hmm. but like anyways all that to say yeah s- s- you're not gonna be perfect right like nope, progress over perfect. perfection and as much as i know and we we thrift a lot and we do secondhand a lot especially for our kids clothes still occasionally i'll go to target and be like i i need socks i need <laughs> socks right now or whatever yeah. it is like i need something so I'm not perfect. Yeah. Anyways, don't hit right. me, Mackenzie. Yeah, I'll let you know right now. I'm not perfect either. <laughs> <laughs> and no one's expecting us to be, right? Like, that's the right. thing. No one's expecting no. us to be. My, so. One of my favorite quotes is, we don't need anybody. It was about, it's from Zero Waste Chef on Instagram. Mm-hmm. She says, we don't need anybody to be perfectly zero waste. We need everybody to be imperfectly zero waste. Oh. And I feel like that goes with everything. Like, we don't need, like, one person doing it perfectly it makes a difference, but like it makes a bigger difference if we all just try to do it better. You know yes, what I mean? Yes. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about why. So kind of tell us a little bit about the current climate of the clothing industry and why this has become such a, like not necessarily a hot topic, but it is getting brought more into the light. So tell us more about that. Yeah. So Right now, our fashion industry is very, very fast. Like we're going to talk about fast fashion and very disposable. So fashion brands are basically trying to constantly get us to buy things. Like we have so many different seasons of clothing. Like you need back to school clothes and then you need your winter clothes and then you need your spring and your summer wardrobe. And like they come up with all these reasons for us to keep buying, keep buying, keep buying. And the clothes are made very, very cheaply. And so they are, they don't last a long time by any means. So that makes it, you know, they're made very quickly and cheaply and then they're disposable because they get holes after a couple times wearing them, you know? So very disposable industry. It's not like it used to be, you know, back like when our grandparents were around where you would buy a piece and you'd keep it for you know, almost your entire life because it would last that long. It was a good quality piece. And you would repair it, right? Like if it got a yeah. hole, like you would stitch it up or you would patch exactly. it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Like I I know my grandma had a seamstress, like a seamstress mm-hmm. that she would go to often. And it's like, I don't even know a seamstress. Right. <laughs> like, I know. I've never seen that where I live. <laughs> so yeah, when the, I think the big thing to remember is that like, yeah, clothes are so cheap. Like you can go to Target or Old Navy or wherever and get a shirt for $5 or whatever it is. And when clothing is that cheap, the thing to remember is that some someone somewhere is paying for it, you mm. know, and it's not us, obviously, we're getting it super cheap. And it's probably not the corporate offices, like they're not the ones fronting the, the bill. And so it's the garment workers, they're the ones that are getting paid really unfairly. These are typically people that live in underdeveloped countries like China, India, Indonesia, Bangladesh, those are a lot of big ones, Middle East too, like Pakistan and, and some places in Africa. 
and they're working for super cheap. Sometimes these are people that are even immigrants and are just looking for any work that they can find, but they're, they have, their wages are below living wage. So meaning it's not enough to survive on, like they can barely survive. Like we're talking $2 a day or Mm. like $20 a month or something crazy like that. So they're not getting paid well. And they're also in really, really poor working conditions. So really unhealthy climates for them, structurally not sound buildings, places where they're having to sleep there because they can't even afford to go home because they need to keep working. It's just really, really dire conditions. And I think part of it is slave labor too. That Mm -hmm. is definitely a thing. Children being employed, people being held in bondage for loans that they can't give back. There's been a lot of stuff on social media lately, which is awesome about human trafficking. I Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like people are kind of like opening their eyes to that, which is really cool. And if you have looked into that at all, it's not just sex trafficking. That's obviously a big part of it, but it's even like slave labor, which is a thing. But I think what's crazy is that 80% of garment workers are women in their early 20s. So that's like, I mean, I'm not in my early 20s anymore, but it's like, those are like my women, like my fellow sisters in, you know, across the world that are being treated this way. And so, so yeah, there's lots of human rights issues with fashion and there's also a lot of environmental issues. So the fast disposable culture of it all, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, do whatever you can to make as many clothes as you can. And There's a lot of toxins being released into the environment, like huge carbon footprint being left behind from the factories that these clothes are made in. And it's not just clothes. I mean, it's all kinds of things, but clothes and accessories. It's very wasteful with with fashion and with water. Like water is a huge resource that is being used up to make clothes. So it takes 2,720 liters of water to make one t-shirt. And that's as much water as you drink over a three-year period. So (gasps) it takes a lot of water to make clothes. Like, we're going through water like crazy. To make one t-shirt. Yeah. And and that's just a shirt. Like, a pair of jeans takes even more than that. Oh, my gosh. You know, I know I knew water was an issue, especially, like you said, with, like, denim. I did not – when you put it – in the, in the like that comparison, like as much water as you drink in. How many did you say in in three years? Three years, yeah, in three years. That is Isn't that insane. That's insane, especially when I think about like there are some people who can't even still that don't even have access to to water, like clean water, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. drinkable yeah. water. And we're here like it's just a t shirt from Target, and right, we just we just like essentially wasted three years of an individual's water supply. Right, that is yeah. mind blowing to me. Oh my God. Yeah, that and the other thing with water is that with a lot of the toxins, especially like the dyes that are used in clothing, a lot of those, like the waste is dumped into local rivers in these countries. And these are rivers that people literally get their drinking water from and that they bathe in. Like they depend heavily on that water source. And all this waste is being dumped into those rivers. So. Mm. There's a lot of problems with the water. (laughs) That's one whole issue, you know, but there are other things with the environment too, you know, like the fabrics, we'll talk about that, but so many of our clothes are being made from synthetic materials now, like polyester is probably the most popular one. And that's essentially made from plastic. It's a petroleum based fabric. And so it takes hundreds and hundreds of years to break down whenever we are done with it and it ends up in a landfill. And yeah, so it's, 
a really unfortunate situation of how these companies have chosen to handle making fashion. And I mean, it's not all brands by any means, but is the majority of them, sadly. And it's also, I mean, but it's also on us, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's much more convenient, like to go to Target and to go to only like to go to Mm -hmm. all those stores that are just right in our area. And, and I totally get that. Like that is more convenient than just than like researching ethical underwear online Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Like I totally get it. But at the same time, it's like, we're getting really crappy products. Like they're Mm -hmm. not even good products. Like they, you know, they get a hole in them after a few wears. And, and I think our mindset around that, right. is like, oh, it just costs like $10 at target. Like if it gets a hole in it, no big deal. Like yeah, you know, I'll just toss it out and I'll go get another one, another excuse yeah. to go to Target. Not saying right. that that's great, but I feel like that's kind of like the mindset around it. And I was no, from yeah. personal experience, it's like we do the same thing. We're thinking, you know, I'll use my husband as an example. He like ruins workout shorts so mm-hmm. quickly that mm-hmm. he's like, well, I just ruin them all the time. So I'll just get the cheap ones from Old Navy. And oh, I'm like, yeah. but if we got you like a really well-made hair it would yeah. last like three times as long and probably be significantly cheaper in the long run run right, right. you yeah. know over time but anyways yeah, i'm totally. sure there are many people out there that do the same kind of like mind shifting around the numbers oh yeah and stuff. for sure yeah i mean like you know how i feel like the old the old thing was like like when you're painting you know get a shirt that you don't care about and mm-hmm. <laughs> and that used to be really easy for me and now that I've kind of like shifted how I shop and buy and what I do with my clothes I'm like I don't have a shirt in here that I don't care about <laughs> why would I have it like right you know, what oh am my I gosh to do? yeah like why are you hoarding things that you don't nude, like I guess. yeah <laughs> exactly oh my gosh so good yeah okay so lots of lots is going on there yeah lots going on but I, and yeah, I don't want it to feel overwhelming for anybody. Like we can break down some of those things further, but, but yeah, essentially the, the fashion industry right now, very fast, very disposable. And it's about like getting as much into the consumer's hands and just out in the stores as they can. And, you know, it's like at whatever cost. Right. Sick of mainstream remedies that are packed with questionable ingredients and come with nasty side effects? Us too, which is why we've partnered with our friends at Beekeepers Naturals, a company founded on the belief that we shouldn't have to sacrifice our values to feel better. They're on a mission to reinvent the medicine cabinet and save the bees while they're at it. Products that benefit the people with true health and the bees and planet too. We at our house, this is Laura, use the propolis spray every day to support our immunity. And Evie can't get enough of the bee-powered honey. In fact, she asks for it first thing every single morning. And I use the Bee Chill Hemp Honey every day to help keep me zen. I also love replacing my afternoon cup of coffee with the Bee Elixir Brain Fuel. And we are stocked up on their new cleaner cough syrup just in case one of us gets a cough. You can get 15% off your order with the code MODERNMAMASNOW at beekeepersnaturals.com. I had read somewhere, I did a little mini post on my blog about sustainable kids clothing options because it was like Mm -hmm. back to school time. Just like you said, like there's all these reasons to buy to buy new clothing. And I was like, you know, I don't I want to like get we don't need a lot of clothes. So I just want to get some things that are like a little bit more sustainable. But it's so in it, I was learning about the concept of fast fashion. And one of the I think don't quote me on this, but it's saying something like the fashion industry has essentially created like 52 mini seasons. Like every mm-hmm. week they're like releasing 
a new quote unquote trend. Oh my God. So wow. that people, I mean, I don't know who they are, <laughs> just yeah. like the fashion people in general, whoever's yeah. kind of like driving the marketing behind that. But like, because they want people to be like, oh, I need the next thing. And so essentially yeah. there's like 52 mini fashion seasons in a year, like one for every week. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy, but it doesn't surprise me. Like when I think about how many commercials there are for like, oh, and now it's our jean sale and now it's our boots. And like, you know, there's just so many ads for all different, all this clothing that we need. And they, it's actually cheaper for brands to overproduce. So they like produce way more than they think they'll need and then throw what doesn't sell away. So that's part of the fashion waste problem. Oh, and they throw it, it away. It, yeah, they just throw it away. Oh like my. I need to start going dumpster diving, I guess, at, I outside guess, the mall or something. For sure. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is crazy. Okay. So yeah. fast fashion is, mm-hmm. I know you kind of really, I think people kind of get it, but kind of yeah. talk to us about fast fashion and then like juxtapose it against this idea of like slow fashion, because I know sure. that's also some, like, it's the opposite, right? Like what's the opposite yeah. of fast fashion? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so I had someone, so fast fashion refers to like the really quick turnover, like we were just saying, like from catwalk to retail, they say, and then also how very quickly it goes out of retail and into garbage. So the way someone explained it to me once, and I thought this was really good, was there are things that we use, like our cars and our dishwasher and our washing machine and our forks and our knives and our spoons and our plates, like those are all things we use. And then there's things that we use up like chewing gum or makeup like we use those till they run out and fashion has gone from something we use to something we use up so I thought that was a really good like picture of kind of what fast fashion is now the good trade which is a good resource they say that 75% of fashion supply chain materials end up in landfills and that's equivalent to one garbage truck of textiles being dumped per second wait wait wait. can can you can you repeat that I need to like hear that and let it sink in again Yes. Okay. So 75% of fashion supply chain materials. So that's like not just the clothes themselves, but everything they use to make them ends up in landfills, which is equivalent to one garbage truck of textiles being dumped per second. Oh my gosh. I know. Where are these landfills? Like, is this like a clothing specific landfill? Is this just like amidst all the other waste? I I think it's amidst all the other waste. Yeah. I, well, the other thing is I wouldn't say they're all going to landfills either. Another popular thing to do is to burn clothes. Like Mm. there's brands that literally burn the clothes that they don't sell. And Mm. gosh, imagine how good that is for the earth. (laughs) Just setting a huge pile of toxic clothing on fire. So so yeah, I mean, it's not all going to landfills, but, but yeah, a lot of waste there. That is crazy. I'm, I'm like these visualizations and the like yeah. hearing that, that is what really impacts me for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, totally. obviously personal stories as well, like hearing about no, actual yeah. humans that are impacted, but, but just knowing like that, that this is a much bigger issue than I think a lot of us think, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah. And so the, the, the idea of slow fashion, it's kind of this movement that has started and it's, about slowing down the production time, you know, like, Mm -hmm. okay, we don't need that many clothes. Like 
if one shop has like a collection of 10 items, that's enough. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be that they have like every single thing you could possibly need or want in every single color. Like that's just way too fast. And Mm -hmm. so it's about slowing down the production time, but it also encourages buyers to buy their clothing for quality and for longevity. So yeah, you're going to be spending more, but buy something that you think you'll like for a long time, you Mm -hmm, know, not just something mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, this is kind of cute right now. Like, I don't know if I'll like it next year, but so buying good quality items that you'll keep for a long time. And, and it's, it, slow fashion has come to incorporate everything like ethical, sustainable, eco-friendly, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. it's really this holistic buying process, which is really cool. But yeah, like you said, it's a movement that was started in opposition to fast fashion after a lot of these problems kind of came to be. Like people started figuring out like, oh, this is actually not a good thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say for me personally, because I am I am very frugal as well. But I know when I'm going to invest in something, when I'm like, say, I do need a new winter coat. Like, I haven't purchased a winter coat in ages, partially because we're in Texas and we don't really need one. But we're going to be hopefully doing some travel into colder areas. I was like, okay, I need a new winter coat. And my normal would be like, just go to Old Navy and grab. And they're probably going to have a sale and you can use your, Mm -hmm. your bonus bucks or whatever. You know, all the things that they throw in there. And just get one for like 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. But this year, I... It, it forced me to, A, really decide what I wanted, like, for mm-hmm. a long-term piece of clothing. It gave me pause to actually, like, do some research. And then, you know, I really, I didn't just jump on anything that, like, popped up because I was like, okay, I'm going to be spending more money than I normally spend. Right. I want the I want the coat that I want. I want it to last a long time. I want it to come from a B Corp if possible. And I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll talk about some other things that people can look forward to when shopping. And so, yeah, I did. I bought a winter coat. It was on sale, thank thank goodness. But like, I got a coat from Athleta d- during the summer <laughs> when mm-hmm. I was like, it was on my brain, and I I just really took a lot of time like researching it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Hopefully, I think the it can kind of slow down the impulse buying. Yeah. If that makes sense. I think that's what I was trying to explain. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. I think you're right. Like part of it is just our mindset with fashion. Like we have to kind of fight against what these brands want us Mm -hmm. to think is that we just need clothes all the time. And, Mm -hmm. and that's like a huge part of it is shifting that mindset to be like, okay, I'm going to buy this expensive winter coat and hopefully it's the only one I need for the rest of my Mm -hmm. life. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, totally. Okay, yeah. so we've got fast flash fashion, which I totally understand a lot more now. Mm-hmm. And then we've got that that movement of slow fashion. Yeah. So talk to us now, now that we know like what is really going on in the majority of like the clothing industry, talk to us about what can make clothing more ethical and more sustainable. What are some of the things that we're looking for in general when we're looking for brands who are doing it, quote unquote, right? Totally. So I feel like, First, I always like to clarify, like, I feel like when people use the word ethical, they're typically referring to more like the human rights side of things, or even sometimes like animal rights, like animal cruelty. That's usually where people use the word ethical. And then sustainable refers more towards the environmental impact. Mm -hmm. And 
So I use them both a lot because I want to make sure I'm like incorporating all of it. But Mm -hmm. in my opinion, I don't think you can have one without the other. Like, I don't think a brand could say like, oh, we're ethical. Like we pay our workers fair wages, but like we don't care about the environment Mm. or or say you're sustainable. Like, yeah, we use all these like eco-friendly practices, but like our workers get paid crap. Like, I don't think you can say that. So I think you have to be both to be one or the other, essentially. But with looking for like, ethical and sustainable brands, what makes them ethical and sustainable, I should say. For ethical, I would say it's, are they paying their workers fair wages? Are they paying them living wages? Do they provide safe working spaces for their workers? Is it sweatshops? And, you know, not that you can't have a factory where you produce clothing, but is it a safe place to work? Is it totally overcrowded or, you know, like, and it's hard because a lot of countries where these clothing's where these, where this clothing is made, they don't have like the same safety laws that we Mm. would have in in the U S or whatever country. And so they might not have like, Oh, there's a maximum occupancy, you know, of this many people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, so maybe they're shoving as many people in there as they can, but that doesn't mean that they, they, a lot of these brands, if they're using factories overseas, which I'm not against that at all. Like I like to clarify, it's not, I don't think it has to be made in the U S to be ethical. Mm-hmm. I think it's great to give business, especially to underdeveloped countries. But I think just because they're using a factory overseas doesn't mean that they only should adhere to like the very minimum laws. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're going to have mm-hmm. to create their own standards to make sure that their workers are being treated fairly. And then obviously making sure they don't employ children because that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then as far as sustainable, like there's a lot of questions about sustainability because like I was saying, there are so many environmental impacts, but a few questions that I always ask like, okay, for one, are there pieces made to last a lifetime? Like, are they good quality pieces? Are they conscious of their carbon footprint and their water footprint? Are they conscious of the materials that they're using or the dyes that they're using and how that affects the planet and even the people like the people making them and even us, like, Mm -hmm. do they care about the dyes that they're putting on our own bodies? Are they conscious of their waste, uh, their things like like packaging and shipping? Do they offer like some some brands offer recycling programs like, hey, if you are done with this, gar- like we make mm-hmm. our garments so mm-hmm. last a lifetime. But if you don't want it, like we have a place where you can give it back to us and we'll mm-hmm. recycle it or whatever. Or some of them even have like their own mending programs, like mm-hmm. bring them into any of our shops and we'll mend it for you or, or whatever. So right. things like that, those are some things that companies do to make sure they're being sustainable. Yeah. One of the places, and I'm sure this is probably on your radar, but I have bought a lot of clothing recently from Pact, which is like organic cotton. Like it's a lot of like basics and stuff. Uh But basically, like, they, I think it's brand new, too, but, like, if you return something, I think they don't, they donate it to, like, a a shelter in need. So, like, they do stuff like that. Like, hey, keep your, if you don't, if it doesn't fit you or whatever, like, this was a a year ago, they were like, keep it and give it to someone else who Mm -hmm. you think could, like, use a shirt or whatever, essentially. But, like, Mm -hmm. don't ship it back because, what like, you know, a lot of companies probably get those returns and, like waste it just gets wasted right yeah, so, yeah anyways totally. that's really cool and and that's not something that I ever like looked for before but now right. nowadays most of these companies you could go on their website you can read their story you can read about what they stand for you can read about their policies and it's like the information is there at our fingertips and if you can't find it you can always 
ask, right? Like yeah, email totally. somebody or <laughs> call somebody. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Cool. Okay. So yeah. And even that, let me say something real quick mm-hmm. about that. And I was just thinking, I'm like, I can't remember if I read this online or if this was a conversation I had with someone, <laughs> one of the other, I, I was just learning about how like returns, like the return culture. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's different online. Like I feel like when you buy something online, like it can be such a hassle to return it. So people are like less likely to do that if they think they're just going to return it. But I know in person and I totally used to do this, like be it at Target or wherever you'd buy like, you're like, well, let me buy three of them. And then I'll just take back mm-hmm. the ones that I don't want. Mm-hmm. And someone was telling me, or I read it that this, that this like return culture is like really harmful because at places like target or wherever they i keep i keep like focusing on target this was actually the example they use but there are lots of other places besides everyone's target. gonna be so sad about hearing about their target <laughs> right but yeah they said that like a lot of times the products are already so cheap that it's not even worth it for them to go back and put the item back and so they, when you return it, they'll just throw it away. Like even in the store, I was like, what? That is insane to me. But like, that's <sighs> how little they care about the product, you know? Wow. That yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So many issues. <laughs> so many issues, but we're going to talk about some things we can do. Right. So if you want to expound on this, do you feel like you've, is there any more we need to, to hear about like the traditional manufacturing practices i know we've talked about the waterways and we've talked about the toxins mm-hmm. but is there any like other of those like pff, mind-blowing stats that we need to hear more about because i for one i'm like i i get it like this yeah, is yeah, not yeah, good totally. but yeah I, I think i've given a pretty good summary i will say like i think i we mentioned the term earlier like transparent manufacturing mm-hmm. and i want to point out like the reason that that term is important is because most brands aren't transparent about their Mm -hmm. manufacturing. So I think that's one thing to look for. Like if you're reading about a brand online and they say nothing about their manufacturing process, Mm -hmm. like it's probably safe to assume that it's not something they're proud of. Like that's kind of my mindset with it. Like that doesn't (laughs) necessarily mean that like I could be wrong, but if they are working very hard to have an ethical and sustainable manufacturing process, like they're going to promote that, you know, they're going to make sure their customers know that because that's a selling point. And so when brands are secretive about, or like just are not giving a lot of information about how their things are made, that's a, that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. And I do want to tell I want to point out these two stories really quickly. Like I won't go into too much detail, but just because I think they kind of give it, like you were saying, like that personal touch of why this matters. And, and people might've seen this on social media because one of them happened recently, but there have been two really big, and there's probably a lot more that I don't even know about, but two really big stories that came out of like the fast fashion issue. One was the Rana Plaza collapse and the other was the New Delhi fire and the New Delhi fire happened just last year. But the Rana Plaza collapse, this happened in 2013. It was a factory in Bangladesh and it was an eight-story building that collapsed that collapsed while workers were in it. Mm-hmm. They had been complaining about the building structure, but the owners just ignored it. They didn't want to do anything about it. And over 1,100 people were killed. It's still to this day the deadliest structural failure accident in modern human history. And so that was a big like wait, awakening, I think, for a lot of people as to like the human rights issues with fast fashion. 
And that's where Fashion Revolution Week was born out of, which is pretty cool. And then there was actually another tragedy that happened last year, the New Delhi fire. New Delhi is in India. I think most people know that. But actually, many of the workers involved in the fire were men. A lot of them were Muslim immigrants looking for work. And the crazy thing about this story is that the fire happened like super early in the morning, like before dawn, they said. So like 3 or 4 a.m., I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. And... Over 100 people were sleeping in the factory. Wow. (laughs) So I just feel like that shows like the conditions they're in, like where they're for whatever reason, whether maybe it's a choice or maybe it's not like they're sleeping in that factory where they work. And the reason the fire broke out, I don't know if they know why the fire broke out, but why it became so like explosive was because of all the chemicals in the factory. Mm. So like from making the clothing and there was also no escape route, like they didn't have a fire escape or anything, which is like a zoning issue, obviously. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like I said, a lot of these countries don't have the safety regulations that we do. And so 43 people died in that fire. And I just like to point those out because I feel like yeah, like, I don't know, I get a picture of like people, mm-hmm. like little kids working in factories, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's like stories like that are like, wow, these are like real humans, like, you know, with real lives. And if you look up either of those stories, like the first thing that comes up is the pictures of their families, like ugh. crying, you know, and it's, it's just like, ugh, man, these, it's, it's hard when they're so far away, I think, to like feel the weight of that. But I do think it's something we need to feel Mm -hmm. and again, not to be depressing, but to be like, okay, I have to, I have to remember why this is important, you know? Right. Right. So, so that, those are two stories that I think people should just be aware of and that kind of even give them more of a picture of like what the working conditions are like. Absolutely. And I love that. I love, I, you know, we are going over a lot of like stats and facts and this is like the, the industry as a whole, but I love making that a little bit more personal, which, it, which, yeah. it, which it is, it is. There's human beings on the other end of everything that we do. Right. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. So, okay. Let's transition into like, okay, we've got all we've got, we've are armed with all of this information and probably mm-hmm. everyone that's listening is like, okay, like you've convinced me like, this is an <laughs> issue. Like, what do we do about it? So yeah, let's talk about some of the things. I mean, we've got, we had a lot of listener questions, some that I kind of like rolled up into my own questions, but like, let's talk about just first and foremost, like choosing healthier, like options, like fibers, as, for example. Mm-hmm. So like, what are yeah. like healthier comp, like compositions of clothing that we could choose for or reach for? For sure. So Watching out for the synthetic fibers, like I mentioned. So those would be like polyester, nylon, rayon, spandex. And that's kind of like another habit you just have to get into is like checking the label. Like I would have never thought to do that before. Like, let me see what this is made out of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, checking the label before you buy and looking for natural fibers like cotton, linen, hemp, bamboo is a really good one. Silk, those are all natural fibers. And the reason why is the synthetic fibers, they, like I said, they're made of plastic essentially. So they don't ever really break down, but also it's like healthier for you because it's obviously on your skin and Mm -hmm. we all know like what's on our skin we absorb. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and that's not just like cosmetic products, but that's even our clothing. Mm -hmm. So trying to buy the more natural fibers is healthier for you. And there are less like microplastics that are, you know, because when you wash your clothes, like p- parts of it are coming off into the water stream. Mm-hmm. And so 
if you're buying natural fibers, you don't have to worry about that. But the synthetic fibers give off like all the little microplastics. Mm-hmm. So like I said, looking for the more natural fibers. And with cotton, I recommend if you can buying organic because cotton farming is one of the like biggest producer of pesticides. Mm-hmm. I know. So and, and I know like organic can be really hard, but I think with cotton, it's especially important. Like, I don't know that you have to do that with everything, but just with cotton, they tend to use a lot of pesticides. So Uh buying organic if you can. But bamboo is like quickly becoming one of my favorite materials because it's so soft. If you've never felt like a bamboo fabric, it's so soft and it's a very renewable resource. Like it grows really quickly. So very cool. I never would have thought of that, that, but I was doing a lot of research of buying sheets and we ended up going with like an organic cotton set, but I saw bamboo like everywhere. And like the reviews were like, oh my God, this is the softest fabric ever. It's softer than cotton. So good to know. Okay, cool. Yeah, totally. All right. So we've got some fibers to look out for. What about, Mm -hmm. is there any way of knowing about dyes? Like, they won't really tell you that on the tag. You'd have to really research. Yeah, you'd have to research the brand. Yeah, I don't know like what, what, (laughs) like chemicals, you know? And I don't even like using that word because like, water is a chemical like so you can't just say like chemical free but I think that's where researching the brand would be more helpful if you're worried about that but I'm like totally like a neutrals person like I love wearing white so (laughs) I'm like just buy white stuff it's fine (laughs) how do you keep white clean I mean I love white too but I'm like I'm scared. I won't buy my kids anything that's white. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I understand. I will say I have the best stain remover ever. It's called BioClean or the brand is BioClean and it's called Back Out, like B-A-C dash out. And it works on the carpet and like on clothes. You can use it on either. And it's like a clean, clean ingredients and everything. It's oh, it's amazing. Okay. <laughs> I am writing this down right now. <laughs> oh, while we're on this kind of, because I know another thing for us, because we yeah. use like natural deodorants and like, you know, mm-hmm. all these things, pit stains. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have any magical pit stain removers? Because that's the thing. It's like, we'll buy my husband was just complaining about this the other day. He's like, I don't want to buy a $50 shirt and then ruin it with pit stains. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Do you have any yeah. tricks for that? Well, the BioClean, if you can do it right away, like, like, you know, if you wear it and you sweat a lot that day, like mm-hmm. I would right away put that stuff on it and put it in the washing machine mm-hmm. shortly after that. But also if it's white, I've heard really good things about like you can do like combinations of baking soda and vinegar and then even like lemon juice. Mm. I've read that for white clothing that can work miracles. But you might have to Google the proportions on that. I'm going to have to Google that. I knew I was going to have to Google it. But yeah, he had a good point, though, because I was like, yeah, we know one wants to walk around with like pit stains (laughs) all day. Okay, so we've got some tips for that. So now Mm -hmm. because we've been talking a lot about like buying you know, finding companies that are doing it right. So, but I know there's many more options. It's like, you don't have to buy new, you can thrift, you can, you know, have like, I mean, my friends before quarantine, we would do like clothing swaps. (laughs) Like it would just be like, let's bring everything from our closet and we can just like pick and choose different things from what our friends had. So like, tell us Mm -hmm. about your top tips for transitioning to more ethical and sustainable clothing, or even just, you know, not necessarily in the like, okay, finding ethical and sustainable brands, but like thrifting or, you know, all the things. Yeah, what are totally. your top tips? That's funny that you asked because I've been wanting to do like an episode that's like thrifting tips, like because mm. I love thrifting so much. Yes. And I have so many friends that are like, 
oh, you're good at that. I can't do it. And I'm like, oh no, it doesn't have to be hard. But okay. So just to start at the beginning, I would say it's all about baby steps. Like we were saying early on, like we don't need anybody to be perfect at this. Like it's about like just taking little, little steps here and there and trying to get better. Like that is making a huge impact. And so I always tell people like, use what you have first. Like don't hear this and be like, well, crap. Now I have to look at all the labels in my closet and get rid of everything. Like that's not that would not be a good option. Actually, the most sustainable thing you can do is actually just shop your own closet, like Mm -hmm. use what you have first, you know, and, and like start switching that mindset of like, okay, I want to go shopping. Like I used to be the person that like, we would go shopping all the time for Mm -hmm. fun. Like when Mm -hmm. we were on vacation, like, where can we go shopping? You know, like Mm -hmm. I love shopping. I really do. (laughs) But I've had to like, kind of find new interests because (laughs) just going shopping all the time is like not good for me it's not good for anybody else so so kind of like getting out of that mindset of just shopping to shop or like Mm -hmm. shopping because you think you need something like start thinking about how you use the word need you know Mm -hmm. like it's one thing to need new underwear but it's another thing to be like I need back to school clothes Mm -hmm. it's like why? Like, what's wrong with your clothes right now? You know? And it's like, I'm 36. I don't need back to school. (laughs) My kids are getting back to school clothes. So I need them too. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, so yeah, kind of like shifting your mindset, like shop your closet is a really popular thing on, on Instagram and stuff like shop your wardrobe. Mm -hmm. And then also like, so when, then when you do need something, you know, can you get it secondhand or is it possible to purchase it from an ethical company? Mm-hmm. And I like to point out like there's no like one of those is not really better than the other. Like we need both. We obviously need brands that are doing it ethically to mm-hmm. give employment to people and <laughs> to help yeah. our economy. But then we also need like the secondhand retailers. So mm-hmm. I like to personally go with secondhand first because I'm frugal. <laughs> I rarely ever buy anything new. That's just me, but I have plenty of friends that like hardly ever go thrift shopping and just buy from ethical brands. And that's great too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say just kind of like take it piece by piece. Like, okay, yeah, my, you know, my thing got a new, a big hole in it and it's totally beyond repair or whatever. Like I do definitely need a new this or whatever. Mm -hmm. So like then, okay, like research, what brand do you want to get it from? Or can you Mm -hmm. get it secondhand? Like, and just kind of taking the time with that. And that's, that's another part of slow fashion is like, you know, when I've put myself in positions where it's like, crap, I need something right now. That's when I end up like going to target or Mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. And so if you can like try to be more mindful with that, it's going to help you to have the time to like slow down and make sure you're buying it in a way that you want to buy it. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And I personally like So this idea of like a minimal wardrobe or like a capsule wardrobe has been really intriguing to me. And so I just like, I mean, there's so many resources for that. I downloaded like a list of like, what are some items that would be in like a capsule wardrobe that you could essentially Mm -hmm. like shop your closet with. Right. And it was so interesting because I I pulled out the list and I was like looking through all my stuff. I'm like, oh, I I do have a black t-shirt or I do have a gray long sleeve shirt or a striped cardigan or whatever. Like I have all these things. And like, it gave me so many new ideas of a, how to utilize them. And then B helped me see like where I could, like, if I did need to purchase new or I did need to go get a new item where I could like fill in the gaps there. Cause it was like, Mm -hmm. here's like a winter capsule you need, or you don't need, but ideally you would have like this color pair of jeans, these three shirts, 
this sweater and these types of shoes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, oh, I don't have any like black jeans. I have 31 pairs of the same color blue jean, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so it was like, okay, if I do need anything, like maybe I'll just start kind of keeping my eye out for a pair of black jeans that's either secondhand or that I can find new somewhere. So like that yeah. was helpful for me because it was like, yeah, for sure. I have a lot more stuff than I actually <laughs> realize and it's almost for some people my mother-in-law I love her so much but she loves she thrifts like she girl can thrift (laughs) but she buys all the things at the thrift store and so her closet is like jam-packed and she's like I don't even know what I have anymore I'm like okay I think there's there's some sort of balance that needs to be like hashed out here where like you don't even know what you actually have in your closet that you're buying like 10 of the same thing because you don't know you already have it so yeah totally anyways love that and I do you have like kind of what you would describe as like a capsule wardrobe or some sort of like a a minimal wardrobe no (laughs) I wish I could say yes yeah I've definitely thought about the capsule wardrobe too but you know I used to be a shopaholic so I definitely don't have a capsule wardrobe (laughs) but no I do try to do like the closet inventories a lot Mm -hmm. because I think yeah, you get you can get to the point where you're like, what's even in here? And then you like forget about things you own. And then or sometimes you have something and you you like keep it for a long time, but you're not really wearing it because you don't know how. And so I, I think what you said is really helpful. And you can even like search on Pinterest like, okay, I have this you know, black turtleneck, like Mm -hmm. show me different ways to style a black turtleneck or whatever. Like you can look up different things like that. And with that too, if you decide like, if anyone's like me where you have like just a lot in your closet and you're like, okay, I need to cut down. Like this is overwhelming. You know, you definitely don't want it to stress you out. But I think that's a whole nother piece of like ethical fashion too, is like, what do you do with your clothes Mm -hmm. when you're finished with them? And for one, like I would say, first of all, if it's, you know, like we were saying earlier, if it's torn or something try to mend it first like don't just get rid of it because it's torn but you know can you sell it like Mm -hmm. selling is a great option like on Poshmark or whatever because then it's it's uh, there's a problem with donating clothes like I think a lot of people are like well it's okay if I don't want it because I'll just donate it Mm -hmm. like and it's like donating is not as great of an answer as we like to think it is Mm -hmm. and I actually used to volunteer in a it was a, it wasn't a Goodwill, but it was like a local charitable shop. And they, I worked in their like clothing processing center and oh my gosh, like I cannot tell you, like it was boxes upon boxes upon boxes. Like we were never getting to the bottom of all this mm. and new donations were coming in all the time. Like these donation shops are overwhelmed with donations and to the point where half the time they're throwing them away themselves like a lot of stuff still gets tossed and partly too because people donate like stained things Mm, or mm -hmm. like torn things Mm -hmm. and it's like okay nobody like if you don't want this why would we want yeah yeah totally (laughs) so a lot of things get thrown away but then just because they have too much like they just have plain and simple too much and they end up selling a lot of their garments overseas like that's something that goodwill does is they they ship the garments that don't sell or that they don't want to other countries like third world countries overseas and let someone there turn a profit on them Mm. which sounds good in theory but if you look into it it's kind of messed up like the ceo of goodwill is like a millionaire and and not that you can't be rich but like i don't know it's it's a little shady what's going on (laughs) but and then the other thing is that like these people that are selling the donated clothes 
they're making an income, but they're taking away business from like any local makers mm-hmm. or anything like that in mm-hmm. those areas because they're selling these clothes for like next to nothing. So donating, I'm not saying you can never donate. Like I still donate stuff sometimes, but I think it needs to stop just being like the go-to like, oh, I'll donate it, donate right. it, donate right. it. Like, right. <laughs> so try selling your clothes first and you're, you know, or mending them or whatever. And like, let donating kind of be the last option, if that makes sense. That's really good advice. Really, really good advice. I'm going to also plug in my friend. I didn't like, she literally just started this, but my friend, and I know there's many, many like people out there, but she started, she would go to like thrift stores and Mm -hmm. look for like more ethical, sustainable clothing in thrift stores or like high ticket items like Everlane or Madewell and stuff like that. And she would pull them and like sell them on Poshmark. And now she has her own business, not through Poshmark, but it's called Bluebird Collective. And basically she does the same thing. And she's really, really passionate about like this idea of slower fashion and, and secondhand and thrifting. And she does like, I think she's going to start doing like like mini wardrobe boxes where she like curates little like capsule wardrobes That's so and you just cool. pay like a bulk price and she ships That's it to awesome. you. Yeah. It's really, really cool. So if you are someone who like loves fashion and you're like, but I love made well and I, or I love whatever, you know, l- maybe looking into supporting someone who's doing something like that would be a really cool way to get the items yeah. that you like. Yeah. That's awesome. Second hand. Yeah. That's really cool. It is really, really cool. And that's, And that's like another nice thing about, I think, shopping secondhand is it doesn't have to be like, like I was saying, like where you're hunting through Goodwill or Value Village. Uh Like I like doing that, but I understand that not everybody does. There are consignment shops and those are like a great option. Like there are a lot of chain consignment shops, Uh like obviously Plato's Closet, which I'm getting like borderline, like inappropriate age shopping there, (laughs) but I still like it. I shopped there before for sure. For athletic, athletic wear, they have, they usually have like good, like sports stuff. Yeah. Plato's closet is just thread up. I know thread up. A lot of people love to use that one. Yep. Yep. Thread up Poshmark. Some other two of my like all time favorites and they're not everywhere. They're not like Plato's closet where they're in like most bigger cities, but they're, if you're like in the city, like they're in Seattle, they're in Chicago. So if you're like finding yourself in the city and you want to go shopping, look and see if there's a crossroads trading company or a Buffalo exchange. Those are two chains that I just love. They're like very funky style but they're really cool places. And so the, those options are nicer because it's not going to be like you're sorting through junk like you are mm-hmm. at like Salvation Army or whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you're intimidated by a thrift shopping, I would say start with like a consignment store. And you can always do like obviously Facebook Marketplace or mm-hmm. garage sales even. Like I've gotten great stuff at garage sales. That's amazing. Oh, I know yeah. like estate sales are usually like also really cool places to find like cool, unique pieces or whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah, All right. Totally. That's amazing. Okay, we're we're yeah. re- coming up over an hour, but I, there are a few things I want to to hit before we go. Are you good to keep going? Yeah, totally. Okay. So, what are some brands? I know we talked about some consignment stuff and some way to get ways to get secondhand. What are some brands that you know slash love that are that you could buy firsthand from in the marketplace place currently? Yeah. So. 10,000 Villages is probably like my favorite shop ever. <gasps> we and have they don't one. have you, you like we you have say? one. We have a we oh, have, you have one. one. Have yes. you been in it? No, I have never oh my been. Gosh. It's so cool. So they don't have a ton of clothing, but okay. they have some. They mostly have like more accessories and gifts, mm-hmm. but they have like 
Oh my gosh, you you're gonna love it! Like it's okay. so cute. They have so many fun things, and everything in their store is fair trade, and everything is made in like underdeveloped country. So it's That's really cool. cool. I love that store so much. Some of my other favorites, Patagonia is like a go-to. Mm-hmm. Adidas too. I'm not like like I definitely like dressing up. It's not like I'm the type of person that wears athletic clothes all the time, but mm-hmm. because I worked in college athletics, I. It was always like, oh, we should be in Adidas school and not a Nike school because Adidas <laughs> is awesome. So Adidas, have to give them a shout out. They do. They are. They, I, like That kind of blows my mind that they're doing. They're, yeah. They feel like they're so mass produced, but they're making right. strides to they're be more ethical. Efforts. Yeah. Okay. So there's an app. It's called Good On You. And I think it's maybe Australian based, but it's an app that you can download on your phone and you can literally just like search a brand and see if they're like ethical, like they'll give them a rating. And I want to say Adidas has like a B or okay. maybe they have an A, but there's also, okay. So I have so many like resources, Please. Anybody wants yes, them, but we do want them all. <laughs> so I've interviewed some, I've probably done like five or six episodes just on like fashion on my podcast, okay, which gotcha. is a lot considering I don't even have like 50 episodes yet, but <laughs> I just love this topic. But I interviewed a guy named Garrick and he runs a business called Eco Stylist and he does like personal styling for men and that he has like a curated collection of ethical brands and stuff. And so he taught me a lot and it's pretty cool that it's like just for men because most of this is like for women. I feel Mm -hmm. like this is kind of like a female dominated conversation. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool to hear his perspective. But he taught me about Remake, which is another website. It's remake.world. And they have like he says that they have the strictest criteria that he's ever seen for like deeming a brand ethical and sustainable. And you can even look it up. Like they have their Excel sheet where you can pull it up and look at it. And I have, and it's, it's pretty thorough. And so then they also have a brands list. And so I, that's like my preferred method. Like, honestly, okay. I do not want to do the research. I just want someone to tell me like, yeah, that brand's good. Like, okay. buy from them. <laughs> yeah, and same so, here. They don't, nobody yeah. got time for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I love re, like looking at Remake's website. I mean, they obviously haven't researched like every single brand ever, but mm-hmm. they have strict criteria and Adidas has made their cut. So I feel wow. like that's a pretty good sign. That's huge. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good totally. to know. So. Adidas, I love Seiko and and Mm -hmm. Noonday too, but Mm -hmm. Seiko sandals, they have accessories. It's like a similar project as Noonday, I would say, but I have sandals from them. Are they direct sales as well, Seiko? Yeah, I think they do. I think you can be an ambassador for Yeah, I feel like you can too, which I'm also, you know, I, so I'm a beauty counter consultant and I love the fact that you can also like support someone else, like their small yeah. business or whatever through, yeah, through totally. things like that. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Seiko, yeah. Noonday. Seiko, Noonday. And then I have to give a shout out to Thinks. Like I think everyone should have period underwear. Yes. <laughs> Not everyone, but every female, <laughs> everybody that menstruates should have period underwear. They're like the best thing ever. And so Thinks is an ethical brand, which is pretty cool. Okay. Very cool. Hi friends, Laura here with a quick break to tell you a little bit about one of our absolute favorite products and companies. Our friends at Paleo Valley are on a mission to help people reclaim vibrant health, providing products that prioritize nutrient density in an industry that prioritizes everything else. They believe that every dietary choice and every added ingredient is a powerful opportunity to love and care for ourselves. And we couldn't agree more. I love the Organ Complex and C-Serum for everyday holistic health support. And the beef and turkey sticks are our favorite travel essentials when we're out in the van. 
And right now we are digging the super greens. They're organic, they're non-GMO, and they contain the actual ingredients that you can use that aren't going to cause inflammation. And right now you can get 15% off of your Paleo Valley order with the code MODERNMAMAS. Check it out. Awesome. Okay. So those are good places to start. You know, it's interesting when I did the like research about behind the like kids sustainable options, you know, I saw, and again, it's like, who really knows? But like old Navy had, I went on their website and I went, they had the very, very bottom. They had a link for sustainability efforts and I clicked oh. on it because I was like, old Navy, come on. Like, what's what's the deal here? Yeah. And so, but they did. They, they, you know, obviously have a lot of work to do to get yeah. to that goal. But they were saying things like their denim was going to be like something. I, again, I'm butchering this, but it was like they were going to address the water supply issues with their denim. And then there were some other things around their cotton sourcing that they were like changing it as in their goals by 2021. So it was just cool. Like, again, it's like, I know they have a long way to go, but it is cool. Like you can find a lot of brands who are getting, it's just like anything, like our dollars drive the market, right? Like if yep. we start to purchase from ethical, sustainable brands, or if we don't purchase firsthand at all, the businesses are going to feel that, right? And so we are telling yeah, totally. them exactly what we as consumers want. If we're like, hey, we're going to say no to fast fashion, like thanks, but no thanks. They're going to get the clue because that's happened in the in the beauty and personal care industry. It's like, you know, because we ch- are choosing safer options. Now we're seeing all of these like really big companies coming out with cleaner, safer options. And it really, I mean, money talks, right? <laughs> as, yeah. as weird as that sounds, or as, you know, sad as that sounds, it really is the truth. And so no, yeah, it was cool to see a company like Old Navy, even just addressing that, like people care about yeah, this. Yeah, no, I, I pulled them up on my good on you app and they, th- right now they have three out of five stars or whatever. And they say it's a start. So wow. they're, they're starting to work on things, but Man. yeah, I think, I think brands are seeing that this is not just a trend. Mm-hmm. Like I I saw this good quote that was like, sustainability isn't a trend. It's the only way forward. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's true. It's not like the thing about, you know, people talk about like, save the planet, save the earth. And it's like, it's really not about saving the earth. Like the earth is going to go on. It's the, it's us. That's not going to make it right going the way we're going. Yes. 100%. So, so yeah, I think brands are starting to recognize like it's, oh yeah. Okay. This isn't just a fad. Like people are still on this. Yes. Like this is not going away. I, we started watching Zac Efron has like a documentary series on oh, yeah, Netflix. Yeah. And I think he was talking about that because they uh-huh. were in like Iceland, I think. And Iceland has made all these huge efforts as a country to like be more mm-hmm. sustainable. And they, it was that same quote. It's like, we're going to like the earth is going to outlast us. It's it's going to be us who's not going to be able to live here anymore, like with everything that we're doing to it. And that was like mind blowing. It was just, I think oftentimes as humans, we have a lot of short term thinking, right? Like it's easy for mm-hmm. me right now. So this is the choice that I'm going to make. Mm-hmm. And there is definitely like a collective shift, I think, to more like long term like, oh, what I do matters. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, I'm not like, yeah, it's just one straw I'm not getting at Starbucks, but. It's what if I make that decision every single day, like that's a lot of straws that don't end up in the ocean, just like you said. So, okay, amazing. I yeah. love those resources for finding the sustainable brands. That's a, that's perfect. I mean, I feel like yeah. we covered pretty much everything. Now, I do, I don't know if you researched this or not, but my friend who asked the question about 
options for busty girls that aren't just t-shirts. Do you know anything about that? (laughs) I was like, oh, she thinks I'm like a fashion expert. (laughs) But I will say, okay, after breastfeeding for Mm -hmm. a year and a half, I can't personally relate anymore. But I used to be able to relate to this question. But I would say... Well, I okay, to give myself some credit, I did win most fashionable in senior superlatives <laughs> in high school. So, well, then I so say you're an expert. <laughs> <laughs> but I love to do like like a oversized top with like more fitted bottoms, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like I don't some sometimes it does. I'm not saying nobody can pull off this look, but I think it it doesn't look as good if you're wearing like super tight everything or super baggy everything. Like mm-hmm. I think it looks nice to have like one and the other together Mm -hmm. I think that way Mm -hmm. you're still like showing off some of your features but not like all of it I guess right but so I would say I think like flowy tops or like oversized tops that way you're not like showing all your curves up top Mm -hmm. and then having like you know little shorts or a mini skirt or like leggings or something Mm -hmm. like that and I would also say like one of my thrifting tips if you're looking in secondhand shops is to ignore sizes like Mm -hmm. I do not pay any attention to sizes when I go thrift shopping because it's like every brand does their sizing differently for one. But also like I have things in my closet that are XL or L or I even have a top that I recently got at a consignment shop and it's Torrid brand, which is plus size clothing. Mm-hmm. It's Torrid, but it's size zero, which it's like, OK, that, so it's essentially like a medium, I guess. I don't right. know. But yeah, so I don't pay any attention to sizes because I feel like. It just depends what I want the outfit to look like. Mm-hmm. Like I could buy an extra large shirt or a maternity top and wear it with like a mini skirt and it'll look super cute. So right. Oh my gosh. That was, that's such a good tip. And I also yeah. feel like if you do, for me, like if clothing is an investment, you want to look good and feel good in it and you want to keep it around for, for a long, long time, even just buying a top that maybe it's not exactly the fit you want or you buy it to fit your boobs, but it like doesn't fit everywhere else like getting it tailored, right? Like yeah, that was, true. I'm short. So I guess maybe I'm more used to having things adjusted because like sure. literally every pair of pants is too long yeah. for me. Yeah. Like seven eighths, you know, leggings or tights or whatever, like goes all the way down past my ankle on me. So like, I always have to take things to get them hemmed. And so, yeah. and, but it, and it's way cheaper than people think. Like, I think people think they're going to like come out like spending more on the tailor than they like spent on the actual item which might be true if you're like thrifting it but like it just feels so much better to have clothes that actually fit <laughs> oh <laughs> you, my gosh you know yeah, what I mean? that's so true yeah no you're totally right and I even saw something online that this kind of reminded me of that it was about finding a local cobbler and Ooh. for your shoes like for like if you have shoes that you love but they get a hole in the bottom of them or something mm-hmm. like that like I don't think it works as much with like running shoes or anything, but you know, like if you have a cute pair of boots or heels or whatever. And I was like, I feel like cobbler sounds like it's from like a fairy tale <laughs> or like <laughs> medieval uh, times or something, right. but they still exist. Yes, they really do. They do. So you can go support your local cobbler and get your shoes that you love repaired. <laughs> I love that so much. That's such a good point too. And then my last yeah. question, and I think this is going to kind of like wrap up like in total, this is a question we had from a listener. And now knowing like a lot of the stats that you threw out, I'm like, okay, I think I know what she's going to say, but someone wants to know, like, and this is a great question. Like, is there a trade-off if ordering like an ethical, whatever pair of pants online and then having it shipped across the country in like diesel burning trucks? What are your thoughts on that? Like that trade-off? 
Yeah, that's such a good question. And I would say yes, there there is like I I mean, yes and no. Like I wouldn't say one cancels the other out mm-hmm. or something. Like it's not like it's undoing your good deed of like buying something ethically, but then the shipping takes away from that. But I think for one, I think that goes to show why if it if you can shop in person, like mm-hmm. locally or whatever, I think that's always the better choice. Like mm-hmm. I realize that like I was just talking with my mom about this not too long ago, but it's like, okay, my dog needed a new harness and yes, like buying it on Amazon would be so much easier, but there's also a local pet store just Mm -hmm. down the street that I could go and get one at like, and they had less selection. It was probably more expensive than Amazon, but like I at least didn't have to worry about the shipping and I supported a local business. So Mm -hmm. it's like kind of like if you, if you can get it in person, that's definitely a better choice, but Obviously, a lot of these like ethical and awesome brands aren't located in our city. Mm-hmm. So you do have to buy stuff online. I totally get that. But I think if you can look into companies like a lot of these ethical and sustainable companies will have notes about their shipping or packaging process. So like for one, are they shipping their stuff like plastic free and minimal mm-hmm. packaging? A lot of companies are becoming more aware of that. And you can even request it like, hey, can you ship my stuff plastic free? and then now the new thing is like the carbon neutral shipping Mm -hmm. or carbon like if they're doing any carbon offsetting efforts which Uh essentially means that they're like even though yeah the shipping like they don't have control of like the types of trucks obviously that like ups uses Uh but they're gonna do things on their end to make sure it's like carbon neutral at least so they're like working on their end to try to kind of offset that if that makes sense and i even saw like Amazon recently had like a commercial about that. And I was like, uh-huh, I'll believe that when I see it. But, <laughs> but you never know. I mean, maybe. <laughs> right. Well, and that's such a good point. So Pact, the com- this company that I like order from all the time, they have all the boxes like organic, you know, got certified cotton and fair trade mm-hmm. USA factory certified and like all the, all these certifications. But they also have the option when you chip, when you check out for shipping, like you can like pay it's less than a dollar extra for this like green shipping carbon emissions fund that I guess they donate to or something. So it's like those little things, it's like very thoughtful. It's like, yeah, they don't have control over the whole, you know, the whole supply chain, but you can tell they're making efforts. And it's, it's things like that, that we, for me, and again, like my eyes initially got opened with transitioning to safer beauty products because they're more expensive and there's all these things. And I was like, I'm not buying spending X amount of dollars on a face lotion but then you go and yeah. you look because I know I'm just use beauty counter as an example. Like I know mm-hmm. we from like manufacturing and like source materials all the way to shipping have thought that whole mm-hmm. process through. And like we, you yeah. know, we decrease plastic parts and we source from a you know, factory our glass from a factory in Mexico. So that it has to travel less, less miles to get to us. Like there's all these thoughtful things that people don't really understand. Like companies can and do do but you just have to ask and like really get to know and be like interested in where your money's going. Right. Like most of us, like you said, it's like, and I'm guilty too. Like I shop on Amazon a lot, but now it's like, okay, just like what you said, do, can I go and find this elsewhere? Is it going to cost me a few extra bucks? But like, also I look at the big picture. It's like, you know, I'd rather purchase from an ethical company online versus a non-ethical one online even if it's cheaper because it's like the water we've saved, like the, the, like someone's livelihood, we hasn't been impacted by like 
purchasing through cheap labor or whatever. Does that make sense? Like there's so much more to it than just the, the shipping, like diesel emissions. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. I like, and you mentioned the like sourcing materials and I didn't even really touch on that, but like, yeah, that's another thing is like how, like where are they getting all the materials to make their stuff from? Like, and is that ethical? Like, is there mining involved? And you know, like there's, there's so many considerations that these brands have to make. And so, yeah, I think it, it totally makes sense. And there's ways that they can like work to kind of offset the effects that they can't control. I feel like you mentioned like the certifications and I did want to say about that, like, obviously that's a great thing to look for. Like I rely on those certifications a lot, like cert- fair trade and certified B Corp and all that stuff. But I think something important to remember too, is that like not all companies can afford those certifications because they are expensive to get certified. And so just because a company doesn't have them doesn't mean like it's a bad thing. And also too, like the flip side of that is a company might be able to afford it, but that doesn't mean they're like perfect. So it's still good to like look into their practices. And, and again, that's why I like just going off of like remakes list or good on you or whatever. Like I, I just, I don't really want to do the research. (laughs) I just want someone to tell me like, yep, like stamp of approval. (laughs) Yeah. 100%. And that's great. And, but it's like, I, again, just to draw another conclusion, I know we're going way over time, but I just feel like this is such a good conversation. It's like with food. Like I know there are so many, especially here in Texas, there's so many local farms that are doing things in a sustainable way, but they can't afford to get you know, X, Y, Z certification to like put on their meat. But like, I can literally go there to be like, can I see your cows? (laughs) Like, can I see where you keep your chickens or whatever? Like, can you talk to me about what feed you feed them? It's like, I'm not saying that like everyone has to go and visit their local farm, but like there are ways exactly what you said. It's just like food, like just because they don't have a stamp doesn't mean they aren't doing things or making efforts to like be more earth friendly or whatever. So yeah, we do that. We do this with food. Usually that's people's like first like mm-hmm. eye-opening thing is like, oh, my food. Like let's look yeah, at the let's look yeah. at the like back of the food packaging. Let's see what's in it. Right. What's it made out of? Yeah. And with food, people are usually like willing to pay more for better quality. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's the same thing with clothes. Like it doesn't stop at food. Like right. we yeah, it costs more, but like you're getting a better thing. Like it's better yeah. for you, better for the planet. So yeah. Absolutely. So I think, and again, it's like no guilt, no shame. Like everyone's on their own path, but like, I hope Mm -hmm. this empowers people to at least be like the next time they go to make a clothing purchase, you know, explore different ways in which they could have less of an impact on this crazy, crazy waste, like fashion waste Mm -hmm. crisis. I would almost go as far as to call it a crisis. So thank you so much, Mackenzie, for coming on and sharing your heart. And like, it was just, it was incredibly eye-opening and we're so appreciative. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you (laughs) for having me on and letting me share. It's obviously a topic that I care about a lot. So thanks for giving me the chance to share about it. And like you said, nobody should feel bad or like, I can't do this. Like, all about baby steps like and together we will have a difference absolutely where can we find you if we want to connect with you and learn more from you yeah totally so my podcast is called the enlighten me podcast if anyone wants to check that out i'm on all the major podcast platforms and like i said if anyone wants to learn more about this i have done several interviews with people about sustainable fashion so love talking about that topic but i'm also on instagram my handle is at the heartfelt hippie 
And I post like a lot of my secondhand outfits on there too. I have a Facebook page too. I'm not, I'm not great at the Facebook thing. I need to get better at that. I I Uh, just wash my hands of Facebook. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard. I know. (laughs) I know. I try, but Instagram is more where I'm at. And I have a website too, heartfelthippie.com. If you want to message me or anything like that, but yeah, I'd love to hear from anyone that has questions or, you know, anything. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And as always, if you guys love what you're listening, please hop on over to iTunes, write a review, rate us. We really appreciate and read every single one. And we're so grateful for you all. You can always email us with questions or ideas for interviews at modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us, Mackenzie. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Bye.